For the best possible experience, find a quiet place and use headphones. Thank you. Before the world ended, I could only imagine what it would be like to go hungry, to not be able to find food or clean water, to slowly waste away until you can no longer think or even walk. A death so horrible, it's almost impossible to comprehend. In my world, starvation is a very likely scenario, and your chances of survival depend on how well you can listen to your inner beast. In the old world, the beast could lie in rest, deep in the recesses of the mind, where it couldn't do any harm. Now, everything is life or death. That sound you just heard behind you could mean everything or nothing. All that's left behind in the new world is the animal primordial being of pure instinct deep inside all of us. The devil on your shoulder you usually ignore. The one that's responsible for every cruel and terrible thought you've ever had. And also, the one that might save your life in the worst of situations. Before the world ended, we learned well how to ignore it. But when my world was burned alive, so was that mask of culture we all wore. Now, all that's left is the beast. And it's always hungry. Past Bedtime Studio presents Philip's Apocalypse. Original material by Michael Johnston. Written by J.B. Stephen with Ben Ajang. Philip voiced by Michael Johnston. Music by J.B. Stephen. Produced by Ben Ajang. Episode 3. Instinct.
I had never been hunting before. My uncle had showed me how to track animals when we went camping, but this was the first time I actually attempted to put those skills to use. It was not going well. And the sun was staring directly down at me, almost daring me to step out from the cover of the trees. It had been some time since my encounter with the wolf, and I'd been pursuing the deer for the last two days. I'd run out of food a day before that. The valley in which I found myself was nearly untouched compared to the burnt and charred places I was normally acquainted with. Maybe it was the mountains that had protected the forests from the heat burst. I couldn't say for sure, but the protests of my stomach quickly turned my attention elsewhere. In my quest for the deer, I had passed on opportunities to scavenge, and I was quickly losing myself. The beast was becoming more in control as time went by. On the first day after my food source ran dry, I'd managed to catch a rabbit, but when it came time to kill it, I hesitated. I imagined myself slitting its throat with my machete, its life spilling all over the ground. But just like I nearly did to myself those many months before, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I suppose, in a way, in that moment, sparing that rabbit was me, sparing myself. There was still a naive part of me that could ignore the emptiness of my stomach and let the rabbit go. Then, I found the deer, and I could think of nothing else but following it. gotten used to assuming that I was being followed. Whether it had any merit or not, it was that animal in the back of my mind responding to the slightest variation in sound. Though, being on edge all the time had the unfortunate side effect of making me tired. And hungry. My angry stomach again churned and I quickly came to regret my decision of letting that rabbit go. In between gurgles, I told myself over and over that I would never let such ridiculous sentiment get to me ever again. It was only a rabbit, and it shouldn't have made any difference to me. But it did. I didn't know whether to feel decent about sparing its life or terrible for ignoring the state of my own. If I was going to make it home again, I needed to stay alive. Stay nourished, eat whatever I could, do whatever I needed to do to make it back. I saw the deer as means to an end. Killing it to feed myself was a major step towards home. One more hurdle I needed to clear. More time spent without food was not an option. Shit. Where are you going? 
On the third day without food, my first encounter with the deer had nearly resulted in my death. I was lucky to escape with only a few gashes, but was unable to inflict any damage on it. Yet I continued to hunt it, the hungry beast inside of me hopelessly pursuing prey that far outmatched it. On the fifth day without food, the day where I now found myself nearly right next to the deer, I was determined to kill it with whatever means I had. I had even begun stalking it in the daytime, against my better judgment. But logic and reason were no longer in control of my actions. It was raw hunger. The desperation I felt only served to enhance the thrill of the hunt. The animal in me was fully in control, fiercely, dangerously hungry, and trying beyond all reason to satisfy that hunger. Right then, in that moment, I hated the deer. I could think of nothing else. The animal in me wanted to slaughter it, and the subdued part of me that was still human was terrified by my own viciousness. His passive voice became more of a whisper with each passing moment. Oh, okay. Right. I watched it, grazing in the distance, the pangs of hunger focusing my senses. The rational part of me already knew that I didn't have the tools to effectively hunt a deer, especially a buck with a very dangerous set of antlers. But I was getting dangerously close to malnourishment. It was me or the deer. after the deer, adrenaline overcoming all sense of weakness and fatigue my body had felt, the anger propelling me beyond my current limits. I knew I didn't have long at this pace. Shit. We twisted and turned through the forest, the trees and brush being the only thing that kept the deer from outrunning me. Catching the deer was all that mattered, and I would run until I physically couldn't anymore. I nearly caught it with my machete when we ran into a chain-link fence, but it quickly found a way through, emerging from the trees into a clearing. I pushed beyond my exhaustion. The pain got so bad, I thought I might run myself to death. And then, it happened. deer had run into a large concrete building, smashing through the glass sliding doors at the front entrance in its desperation to escape me. What is that? There was a sign over top the shattered doorway, 
hospital. Out here? What the hell? I was at an impasse, but I couldn't give up yet. The front doors appeared to be the only entrance on this side of the building. And if it was, I might have a chance of cornering it inside. I could only hope for a cheap shot at this point, and there was one thing I knew for sure. I wasn't about to let it go. building seemed to have survived the initial heat waves. I figured it was because its perimeter was devoid of foliage and trees, but then again, the whole valley was strangely unscathed. It was a sturdy, industrial building with a small parking lot out front, in the middle of nowhere. The fence we passed through must have been the barrier of the building. If I hadn't been starving at the time, I might have more strongly considered how strange it all was. The smell of decay quickly oh. stung my nose. Oh, shit. And I nearly retched, despite being well acquainted with it. Something's dead. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't like I would have had anything to throw up anyway. Oh. The building seemed to be a hospice of some kind, nestled deep within the woods, surrounded by chain link fence and barbed wire where no foot traffic would ever come close. At the time, I had a feeling that it was a military hospital. I was partially right. Oh yeah, that's right. Wishful thinking. had found its way to the back of the building, trapped by closed doors and a likely inoperable elevator. This was my chance to make a last-ditch attempt at wounding it enough to slow it down, maybe even kill it. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. The hallway was narrow, and I was putting myself in a dangerous position. The deer was watching me very closely. I was talking more about myself. Not so much the deer. The closer I got, the more I began to panic, thrashing around and denting the elevator doors with its antlers. suddenly realized it could go right through me. Oh. Uh. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
Oh, shit. The deer charged straight at me, leaving me no room to get around it. I turned and ran. Using the leverage of a guardrail, I swung myself around the corner of the hallway. The deer, unable to stop its rampage, slid uncontrollably straight into the wall. I reached the front lobby of the building. I turned around to face the deer. I had no options left. No, you are not getting past me. If I let it get past me now, it would escape back into the woods and I wouldn't have the energy to chase it down again. I stood my ground, machete in hand. I only had one chance to slow it down. Three, two, almost, almost. Come on. I held my machete out in front of me, anticipating the imminent pain I was about to be subjected to. I saw something unexpected. A shadow leapt from an open door on the right side of the hallway, plowing into the deer, knocking it off its hooves and onto the ground against the wall. What the? I was breathless, confused. The hallway was dark only the natural light from the open door and the lobby behind me faintly lighting the surroundings. A pair of yellow eyes glowed evenly in the dim light of the hallway. I immediately felt at ease. It was the wolf, the very same one I had met only a couple weeks earlier. My savior had returned to me from the shadows. I had endlessly dreamed of meeting him again ever since the day we first met. I never thought I'd see you again. After seeing the wolf effortlessly kill the deer, I had realized that he had likely been watching me since the pursuit in the woods, letting me do the work and tiring the deer out. And upon seeing how hopelessly outmatched I was, he decided to step in. He was a master of his own instinct and had found his inner balance that I had still yet to learn. I let my own beast get the best of me, turn me blind to my own logic and reasoning. Deep down, I knew from the beginning that I didn't have what I needed to hunt the deer, and I should have ended the pursuit much earlier, but I had let things get out of control. I wanted desperately to run over to him, to convey my gratefulness for his protection in some way he would understand, but this time, my instincts told me to take things slow. I could only hope that he would trust me enough to stick around longer this time. It would take some time to get him to trust me, but it was time I was more than willing to make for my savior. The only other soul in this new world. Philip's Apocalypse 
in association with Michael Johnston Media, is a past Bedtime Studio original production. For more information, visit pastbedtimestudio.com. Yes, that's time.